from round the corner to your street and neighbourhood. This is Pablo for breakfast. On a Friday, we like to get some TV, movie recommendations. King of the Nerds, Adam Ross, he is back with us once again. Adam, good morning. Hey, good to be here, Pablo. Now let's chat Elemental, the movie. It is out and it's adventurer. It's at the cinemas. Uh, look, now I walked up to the box office and I said, is it strange that a 38-year-old man is going by himself to see this Pixar film? And the, and the, and the woman said, no. She, you know, she, goes, she goes, no, you know, like everyone can enjoy these things. Um, I have been a big fan of the Pixar studio since Toy Story 1. Uh, I love Toy Story 2. I think it's one of the best films ever made. And Pixar has become a little bit hit and miss over the last couple of years. Elemental is a stunning visual piece of work from them but uh narratively and inventively not quite peak but it's definitely um it's one of the most romantic entries they've ever done now speaking of the cinemas still because the flash has been incredibly popular 200 to 220 million was the budget i'm sure it's going to smash all those records uh it's a long one as well nearly two and a half hours long Look, uh, I wish that I could like the Flash run forward and get out of time <laughs> from seeing this movie. Uh, look, I mean, the, the budget, the advertising and the hype has been enormous for this film. Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan because it is the worst example of the multiverse that I've seen yet. It made my head spin and not in a good way. I found it really convoluted. I felt like it had been cobbled together in post-production. Uh, it had some of the most unconvincing CGI I have ever seen. So I won't spoil it here, but because this takes place over multiple DC entries, there are cameos here from actors that are not with us anymore, Cam- uh, actors that were never in these roles but they are such dodgy composites of CGI, they made me spit my popcorn out. I'm like, that looks terrible, right? And so, like, you know, I I thought that the DCEU movies are ugly in an aesthetic sense, and this is the ugliest one yet. And so, like, this opening sequence of the Flash saving a bunch of babies in the sky from in slow motion with really bad CGI babies, I was like, 10 minutes in, I was like, get me out of here. (laughs) Um, And look... It was amazing to see Michael Keaton reprise his role of Batman. Uh, The original Tim Burton Batman is the first film I ever saw in a theatre, so I've got a lot of time for that. But even even Keaton in the Batsuit couldn't save The Flash for me, one of the worst movies I've seen in quite a while. (laughs) Uh, Now let's go from the worst to maybe the best. I mean, I don't ever really tear tear up in many things, but Take Care of Maya on Netflix, it was a gut-wrenching watch. Look, I mean, this is um, going to be one of the absolute talking points of all um, theatrical and streaming releases for the year because basically it's an ex- an extraordinary David and Goliath story, um, but with so many twists and turns and so many shifting perspectives that you're not quite sure what is going on at any point in view. So um, Maya, uh, the titular character here, is suffering from a basically, you know, an extraordinarily rare disease that only one doctor seemingly in the entire American medical system seems to be able to diagnose and treat. This family then are thrown into a treatment cycle with this doctor and their daughter is, starts to show signs of recovery. But because of the unorthodox nature of this treatment, it starts to flag within the American medical system and the child abuse system. And the next twists and turns, like this is a real jaw on the floor documentary. Like, you know, you don't, you've got a feeling that this is not going to go well and it goes so badly that you can't kind of you know 
believe it. Um, there are other documentaries like this, like um, Dear Zachary and stuff that just, mm. you know, they shake you. Uh, you never forget, you know, where you were when you kind of watch that. So, I mean, look, if you've got the fortitude for it in the stomach, I implore you to check this out. It'll probably make you so angry, your eyeballs will pop a little bit out of your head. But, um, uh, but even as a documentary, it's very fascinating as well. This is the kind of doco that made me want to go into the interwebs and find out every case, you know, and look at like, I wanted to do a deep dive afterwards. And to me, that's a hallmark of an excellent documentary. Yeah, I hope there's a follow-up as well, because there's a few things still pending that I think... Uh, I, yes, to... I was su surprised. Part, oh, yeah, sign me up for part two. Mm, mm. Uh, now, Black Mirror. We were up to season six, and I've got to admit, I was a little bit, oh, how will they do this? Uh, but I tell you what, I've, I've probably watched half of them already, and I love the twists and turns that it always takes us on. Look, I think that, you know, um, technology is just racing behind us, nipping at our heels, and we're constantly kind of like bemused and terrified of where it's going. Uh, and I think that, you know, this I've only seen the first one of this new season of Black Mirror, Joan is Awful, which is a takeoff of Netflix, funnily enough, and it becomes extraordinarily metatextual um, with performances by Selma Hayek, small little cameos from Kate Blanchett in there. But um, effectively, I, you know, I've been having conversations with people about what if you didn't have to watch a bad film ever because you could just just ask AI to create create you a better version or the version you want to see. You know, like um, there's a version of The Flash that I could ask AI to make that doesn't have all the problems that I thought, <laughs> can, you know, were in that other one. And so when we get into that cycle, what are we watching and where are we going to get, you know, um, who's going to be performing these things, who is curating these things, where do they come from? And so Joan is Awful is very clever, uh, predictive piece of fiction. And I just, you know, I didn't know where it was going to go. And I felt like this is the future of streaming in a terrifying way. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. It, it comes from the mind. I don't, I'm not sure if it's every episode has been written, but uh, Charlie Brooker, who is a fascinating English comedian who's done shows for many, many years. And, and a lot of these episodes seem to stem from his mind. And uh, it's not surprising because there's so many twists and turns in these. And uh, yeah, they're, fa they're fascinating. And I, I love that it's just one hour. You can deep dive into a world and then you're done. Well, Charlie's kind of obviously had meetings with Netflix and they've kind of warned him about this stuff and he's gone back and just they say write what you they say write what you know and Charlie's writing what he knows so it's you feel it feels really authentic it feels mm -hmm. like maybe Netflix is creating AI AI actors to do them you know I mean in four years we might be talking about Black Mirror 10, 10 that's made by an AI version of Charlie I can't wait to see the doco on your life <laughs> yeah, no, you don't want to. <laughs> uh, Adam, it's always good to uh, catch up, especially on your birthday week. So a big happy birthday from all of us oh, here at Triple M as well. Uh, uh, thank you, Pablo. That's great. The feel-good start to your day. This is Pablo for breakfast. It's